The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Let's, let's, let's pray. <laughs> Amen. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all these awesome people. Uh, thank you that there's other places they could be today, but they've chosen to be here. Lord, they've chosen to be uh, here to worship you and also to encourage and to build up each other. And Father, I pray that you would uh, let this word encourage and build uh, them up. Lord, me up as well, Father, as we uh, try to learn from you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, so we talked last week a little bit about New Year's goals and things like that. Today we're talking kind of staying on that path, um, although the path of Christian Jesus-following believers is different than the world. It's not the same path. It's a different direction. It's a different way. And so when we set New Year's goals, when we set things like, hey, this is what I want to have happen this year, you know, if we aren't following Jesus, right, if you're the one leading, then you say, this is where I want to go, and I'm gone, right? This is my plan. You sit down, you pull out your paper, and you're like, I'm going to see what I want to do and where I'm going to go. And then you just make the decisions and you go. But if you're not the leader, right, then you wait on the person leading. Today I had an argument between me, Kira, and a third party at like 7.30 a.m. I'm single dadding it right now, by the way, so shout out to single dads. I've got 48 hours in. 36 hours. It feels like 48 it's not as easy as it looks. But I will say this. We get in an argument because it's time to go downstairs and get breakfast. And we're walking downstairs to get yogurt. And I'm walking down. And all of a sudden, I hear from behind me, stop it. I'm the leader. Because you learn this in school. Who gets to lead the line and all this stuff? And I look back. And I'm like, what? She's like, I'm the leader. I'm like, I'm just walking downstairs to get breakfast. I'm the leader. I said, OK. First of all, you're not the leader. <laughs> Second of all, I'm also not the leader. Because the one leading right now is Kai, our little dog. And that little dude has to go to the bathroom. And so he is leading. And he is running down the stairs towards the door. And if I pause and wait for you to lead, I'm going to be cleaning up what he's left behind. So we're not doing that. So we race down. We let the dog out. And we do that. But whoever's in, whoever is the one in charge is the one leading, right? And so we talk about our New Year's and what do we want to have happen this next year? What's going on? It says, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? Well, I don't know if God's going to talk to me that way. Well, first of all, that's his whole point in having a relationship with you, is that he wants to be a part of your life. He doesn't just want you not to sin. Okay, well, I gave my life to the Lord 20 years ago. What happened since then? Well, I haven't smoked or chewed. I don't drink anymore. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. That's awesome. But that is not why God saved you. God didn't save you because he didn't want you to have a beer. Now, does that mean you should go out and have a beer? In your situation, maybe not. Maybe. You're not going to go to hell for having a beer. Could it destroy your life if you don't know how to handle that stuff? Absolutely. Most definitely. I've been in that boat, okay, prior to really coming to know the Lord. Okay, so everything needs to be careful. But he didn't save you to keep you from having a drink. He didn't save you from keeping you uh, inside from having a smoke. It's not like when you get to heaven that God's like, oh, my gosh, we got a smoker coming in. I can smell it. Get him out of here. Oh, my gosh, they got a smoking section. Well, you can't smoke there, obviously. It's heaven, right? Never let us do that. But you can't have been a smoker because then you'd have to have a been a smoker section because they still smell like a smoker. 
right? Send them over there. I helped my daughter, Krista. She's in there. Praise God for daughters that forgive their dads. I helped her buy a car, her first car that she financed. Beautiful car. She wanted to buy it. I got the money. I'm going to put it on. Come on, Dad. I need you to come in. Help me. Make sure it's a good car. Go in. Awesome car. Good car. Get the car home. Wait till the next day, the next day, the next day. Pretty soon I get a call. Dad, this car smells. I can't even sit in it. I'm like, what do you mean it smells? Like, I literally can't breathe in this car. It smells like smoke so bad. I'm like, well, that can't be because I helped you buy it. And that would never happen if dad's helping you buy it because I know all about cars and I know how to help you. Well, it turns out that whatever they did to freshen it for 24 hours lasted about 24 hours. And then she had a car. So eventually she had to just go trade the car in because she literally couldn't drive it. Right? But point, God didn't save us to keep us from having smoke come into heaven. He didn't save us from keeping us from having a beer. He didn't save us from keeping whatever the little thing is that we're like, oh my gosh, that's a terrible thing. He saved us for more than that. So it's not so we make New Year's resolutions like, I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't want to overeat. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Yes, God wants you to stop doing things that are harmful. But he saved you for more than that. I was talking to somebody this morning. I was like, God wants to move us from recovery to discovery. Right? Out of what we're trying to leave and get a recovery from and move us into discovery of what its actual purpose and destiny is for our life. Why are we here? But here's where we have to start. We have to start on this word, contentment. Because if we are pursuing anything else in life outside of this motivation, outside of this status, like if our heart is not content, it skews everything else that we do. That's what happens. If my heart right now is covetous, because of what somebody else has, and so I'm trying to become like them or do like them or get to that thing, well, guess what? Even if I get there, I'm going to be unsatisfied because I'm looking for that thing to fill me. I'm looking for that thing to change me, and it's not going to help. Now, if I want a better job, I want a little more money, I want a better financial position, or maybe I want to be in better shape, but I'm already okay. I'm already like, you know what? I'm okay with me. Like, I want to do better, but man, thank God that he loves me. Thank God that he doesn't love me based on something I've accomplished or something that I'm doing. Thank God that he's a father that cares for me as a person that he created. And from here, I want to do better, and I want to try to improve some things. Well, that's great, but if you're chasing the actual approval, you only get to the next stage until you realize there's something better and somebody else is doing better. Like I go to the gym, and oh, I've lost 15 pounds, but now look at that guy, and he can do like 700 pull-ups. Wow. I'm really out of shape. And you just can continue to follow that, continue to do that, and it never stops. So we're going to get into the Word and talk about contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 12. The first six verses, which I'm not going to read, the first five verses talks about people trying to pursue gain. They're fighting, they're quarreling, these things are going on, and they're basically trying to like find position, status, or wealth through faith. They're trying to use Christianity, they're trying to use the following of Jesus, trying to use the gospel as a means to get status over somebody else or in order to try to gain financially. Thankfully, that never happens today. This is an old thing. That's why I'm just going to skip those verses. Nobody ever does that today, right? Not in this world. Okay, but it used to happen. But after, at the end of that, in verse 5, he says that, that godliness is not to be used for gain. And then the very next verse, he says, but of course, godliness with contentment is great gain. So it's not supposed to be used for gain because it is gain. We don't have to use it to do something. I don't need to use a sandwich to make a sandwich because it's a sandwich. 
I use a knife to make a sandwich. I might use a plate. I might use some sauce. But you don't use a sandwich to make a sandwich because it already is. Godliness already is great gain. Of itself, God, having a reverence for God, living God's way is of itself gain, regardless of anything else that happens. So it doesn't need to be used for that. It's not an ends to a mean. It, it actually, it is, or a means to an end. It actually is an end. It is what fills. It is what builds us up. And he says, for we brought nothing into the world, so we cannot carry anything out. Okay, just pause for a minute. We all have something in common. All of us, everyone, look around. Look at everybody here. Just look all the way around. I'm even going to look around. Look at that. Wow. Look. There isn't a person in this room that you can see right now that's not dying. We are all dying. That's an absolute fact. We are all dying. Some of us are closer than others, and it's not just because somebody's older than others, because it's not always age that determines. Some people are here today, they're gone tomorrow. That's it. And guess what? When we go, we can't take anything. You can't take your better body that you worked out for. You can't take your better relationships that you worked so hard to build. You can't take any. It all gets left. Material things and relational things, physical things. It all, it's gone. Financial things, it's gone. The retirement plan, it's gone. My father-in-law, he worked till he was retirement age, and they put off a lot of things until they got to retirement age. Because when they got to retirement age, that's when they were going to do a lot of traveling and stuff. That's a great plan. It's great on paper. Problem is, only a year or so after he retired, he died from cancer. He wasn't able to do the stuff. So there's things that we think we have time for that we don't, and we can't take anything with us. We have right this, we have today. You might be here at church today thinking, man, I ought to get involved, or I ought to encourage somebody, or I ought to build somebody up, and then you're walking out, but today's a hard day, maybe I'll do it next week. You may not be here next week to encourage somebody that's here. If God puts a word of encouragement on your heart, use it now. Because you know what? It's not limited. God will give you another one for somebody later. You don't have to worry about running out. God will build you up. God will give you a way to encourage and bless somebody. If God's blessing you financially, use it. Use it to bless people. Use it to care for people. Use it to give away. Use it to minister. And yes, be smart. We're doing a Dave Ramsey class. Be smart. But use it to be a blessing. Do you know why? Because you may not be here later. You may not be here next week. I may not be here next week. You got to wake up every day saying, okay, I have goals for tomorrow, but I'm content for today. I have something today that I can engage with, that I can be thankful for, that I can use to be a blessing. And so as we go, it says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. So here's the word content. The word content means it's a state of satisfaction. It comes from this word autarkia, which is the first part of it comes from autos, which is self. And the second part is actually sufficient. So really contentment means that you're self-sufficient. Well, that sounds great. How many self-sufficient Loner, isolated, I can do it on my own, do we have in here? Here we go. That's me. It's not that kind of self-sufficient that we're talking about, but that's the idea. Self-sufficient. I can just do it. Well, it's self-sufficient, meaning that basically think of this. Think of like self-serve, right? Who likes to go to a restaurant that's self-serve? You can go up and get your own stuff. Like, I can make my own hamburger. I'll put everything on it. Make my own salad bar. My mom would put it up so high. She got it down to a science. Like, it's so high that it would get clear to the top, 
And they said, one plate. They, do, you, do you want all you can eat or one plate? She's like, one plate. And she would pile it so t- I mean, it was like an art. just like a Jenga, a salad Jenga puzzle. Just so tall. And then she'd bring it back to the table. Right? But when you self-serve, you get to choose. Right? Choose what goes on your plate. Choose how you want to build it. Choose what you want to do. This is what we're thinking about right here with self-sufficient. It's not that you're self-contained and self-supplying. It's that you're self-serving. You're the one choosing what is happening, and then based on what you're doing and what's here, this is what you are now going to experience and live. Okay? So here's the rest of that definition. It says, use of the spirit-filled Christian, so biblically this is how it's used, having all that they need with inside through the indwelling of Christ. So they've made a choice to invite the Lord inside and to live with him being their supply, right? So they've self-served. They've gone and got, this is what I'm going to fill myself with, and this is creating a sustained contentment. Jesus said that if you drink from his water, right, that you never thirst again, right? This is self-sustaining. Or you could choose to go and serve and to fill yourself up with something else, and the next day you need more. And the next day you need more. And the next day you need more. And you say, oh, I need something else. I need something different. If I leave this person, I get together with this person, then I'll be better. But then you leave that person. And you have, all of a sudden you've had like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different people that you've either been in relationship or been married to or whatever the scenario is because it's always going to be better. The problem is that, like they say, wherever you go, there you are. Right? You can't leave yourself. So you got to look not externally, but internally, and not internally to your life to, to direct you and to do that. And so this is what we're talking about. So there's, that was content and contentment. So here's another word, spelled the same and can get us in a lot of trouble. Content. It's the same word on, on paper, but depends on where you're using it and what you're doing. It's a totally different word. It has a totally different meaning. And content is talking about the stuff that's inside to get used up. Like, what, what are you putting in there? Right? What's the content of this cup? Well, it's, it's, it's water. What's the content of this one? It's this. And you're deciding what's in there. Well, what do you do with content? If you go online, you can go on TikToks, YouTubes, Facebook, all these places. Well, that's all called, called content. Right? And so they have content creators. Right? They make content. Well, what happens to content? It gets consumed. It gets eaten. And then what happens when that content's over? More content comes, and guess what happens to it? It gets consumed. It never stops. It's just, just keep going round and round and round and round, and it just has to be eaten and eaten and eaten. That's why they have like, hey, that's your five minutes of fame. Because no matter what you do, you could save the world, or you could be a a person that goes out and just hurts a bunch of people, you can get your five minutes of fame, and then guess what? You're going to be forgotten. Why? Because people want more to consume. I want more news, I want more ideas, I want more thoughts, I want more this, I want more that. I need more, 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 more. And so that's consumption, right? Hey, if I had one more beer, hey, if I had looked at one more porn site, hey, if I looked at one more of this, hey, if I had one more argument, because that's consuming, I'm consuming some of your peace of mind in order to try to fill my peace of mind by arguing with you and yelling at you. So I'm going to try to consume some of your peace of mind, some of your dignity to try to fill the hole that's in mine. And guess what happens when I'm halfway through the argument or done? Just takes till the next time. I need to refill that back up. And so it's this desire to keep filling and filling and filling. So here's the word consume. It says to use up a resource to absorb all of someone's attention and energy. Boy, if that person would pay attention to me, I'd feel better. 
Oh, if, that, if they would just notice me. Oh, if they would just love me. Oh, if they just... Well, that's great, but the problem is once they do, you become accustomed to that, and then you either need more from them or it's somebody else that you need from. It doesn't matter if it's for ministry. It doesn't matter if it's for a romantic relationship. It doesn't matter if it's for a family relationship, a friendship. It ends up being the same thing. I just need a little more. I just need a little more. It's consuming. To completely destroy as if in a fire. Fires do what? They consume. Then it's gone. Right? So content is something we consume. Content, contentment is something that doesn't need consumed. It's something that, that fills and it sits and it resonates. It's just a part of like, okay, all right. Got peace of mind. I don't need to see how many people liked my Facebook thing for the 472th time. I'm okay. I don't need another shop of dopamine. I'm all right. I'm going to be okay. It's contentment. Well, the problem with chasing too many goals in 2023, and I'm a goal person. I've had businesses and church. I mean, I set goals. I'm a goal guy. The problem, though, if the focus first is goals in order to achieve something that makes us feel better, we always chase, we never fulfilled. But if we come from a place of fulfillment and we set goals out of fulfillment, right, we're building off of a firm foundation. We're building off of man Christ, enemy, the hope of glory. Things are okay now moving forward with what he wants to build. And so let's look at 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. It says, those who want to be rich, which rich there is a word that means abundance, overflow, it says, and it, and it doesn't matter if it's material or spiritual, so it's really talking about both. Relational, spiritual, financial, it doesn't matter. It's not only talking, that word is not only talking about money. It's like those that want abundance, they want the abundant life, they want all these things. And it says uh, that there's those who want this, however they fall into temptation, they become ensnared by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, now it is talking about money, specifically, is the root, the love of money, not money. You can have money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. By craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. It's this idea of having something. And what does money represent? Money really represents my ability to have whatever I want. Isn't that why we need money? If I had money, I could have better shoes. If I had money, I could have better hair. If I had money, I could have a better shirt. If I had money, I could have... If I had money, I could live in a better house. I could go on a better vacation. I could do... Like money, I could have more peace. Right? So that is the purpose of having money. If I just had a little bit more. So when we're pursuing the ability to have whatever we want, to be without lack, we wind up pierced through with many sorrows, many struggles. Because no matter how much we try to solve our lack, our lack of confidence, our lack of peace, our lack of security, our lack of whatever it is, status, whatever, whenever we try to solve our lack, we, feel, we find out, I still lack. That didn't fix it. I'm not any better. What's going on? That didn't solve the problem. And then sorrows come in. I'm struggling so hard and I'm still not satisfied. Why do I work so hard? I do so much. And I do this. And that guy seems to be happy. And that, that gal seems to be okay. And then we begin to get upset and angry at other people and other things because they seem to have it all. But for some reason, we're trying to do all the same stuff, but we don't feel like we have it all. And we end up in this cycle. Anybody been there before? Maybe there now, right? We wind up there. It can happen to pastors. Well, I got this church. We got this. Well, that church has that. Well, this church has a steeple. Well, we don't even have a steeple. We just got people. That's all we got. Maybe we should close. Who knows? There's always something, no matter what. There's something going on. Something to compare. 
Something to check out. Content does not content us. Let's look at this. This is how we get to contentment. I got four points here. Contentment is self-satisfying. Talked about that. Guard your heart, Proverbs 4.23, for out of it spring the issues of life. In other words, maintain your heart, keep your heart, guard your heart, all mean the same thing. It means to like make a decision on what's happening in here, why everything flows out of it. Self-serve, self-sufficient. I'm choosing what goes in here. What do I want to have in here? Do I want to have all these other desires, thoughts, cravings? Is that what I'm going to be living off of? Because I'm always going to be hungry, right? Or do I want to be like Kyle, who's on a meat-only diet right now? How long are you doing that for? Is it over? End of February. He's only eating meat. This dude is straight carnivorous right here. Just stand up. Show yourself off. This is, a freaking, this is our greatest meat eater at the beat church. That's amazing. But that's what he's consuming. It's going to change something. We don't know good or bad or how it's going to work out. But it's going to change something because he's consuming something different. When you consume something different, it changes you. But he's choosing what goes in. But the thing about meat is that you supposedly, what they say is you don't have to eat as often because it actually fills you. We're like, at my house, man, if I'm eating like, you know, cinnamon toast crunch and, and marshmallow cereal and all that stuff, guess what? I eat that at 8 o'clock and 8.15, I'm hungry, right? 8.30, I'm hungry, right? So what we put in, it makes contentment, right, of our appetite. Well, it's the same thing. When we put in godly things, our appetite becomes sustained, and we don't have to eat all the time. I don't need approval all the time. I don't need things to go right all the time. I don't need promotion all the time. I don't need all that stuff. Why? Because I'm already full. Like, I'm fine. I don't need it. Well, do you ever get hungry? Yeah. And I go to the Lord, I talk, I pray, I serve, I do things, and God fills it. And I'm not constantly in need of getting refilled, right? So that's what we're talking about. But to guard our heart, choose what's in there. So we choose how long that we are satisfied, how long we're full. Contentment is a choice before it's a feeling. And this is important because, like, I don't feel content. I don't know. I don't feel it. You know, that's okay. You don't have to feel it. It's not about a feeling. It's about a choice, right? Going back to the food example. I eat the right food. Well, guess what? If I'm eating, what happens about 15 minutes later? I start to feel full, right? That's why if you eat too fast, right, you end up getting overfull, right? Because you're so hungry, you haven't actually let your body catch up to the fact that you just stuffed two subways down there, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I'm full. Well, yeah, you're full. You <laughs> Slow down. Right? It's too slower. Years ago, my wife and I ran a weight loss business for like eight, nine years. It's a long time ago. But one of the things that we would teach people, chew. What? Chew. What do you mean chew? Like chew your food. I do. No, you, you break it apart a little bit to get it just the right size to be able to get it down your throat quickly. But I'm talking like, chew it. Like spend some time. Like chew it. Enjoy the flavor. Chew it. But we're so fast, we don't even chew. We just take a bite, uh, uh, swallow, bite, uh, uh, where'd that sandwich go? I don't know. What happened to it? And then we're calling the waiter, like, I ordered a sandwich, it didn't come. She's like, it came. We watched you eat it. I don't remember that. Because we eat too fast. Okay, so slow down, right? And you'll actually get something out of it. So it's a, but then you will actually start to feel full. Okay, well, it's the same thing. Okay, contentment is slowing down to actually taste and see that the Lord is good. So that as you're slowing down and tasting it, you start to realize, I'm full. 
My life's good. What's in your life that you've been going through too fast to be able to taste it? Being a parent, there's a lot of joy in there. Yeah, there's some struggle. But there's a lot of joy. But are you going too fast? Is 8 o'clock bedtime too sharp? Because we've got to get that light off by 8 because that's the system we're running. But man, boy, if you just let it go till 8.05, man, you'd get a couple laughs, a couple chuckles, and maybe one more cuddle. That would actually make you feel like, man, this is good. This is good. Like, what's going on in your life that you could slow down a little bit? Not a lot. You know, you didn't used to be able to pay your bills. And you just paid off your, you know, you just wrote your rent check a week early. Write it, threw it in the envelope, put a stamp on it, sent it, or went online, pushed the thing, didn't it? But wait, stop. Do you remember how long you thought about the fact that you couldn't pay your rent when you couldn't rent pay it? One week, two weeks, three weeks beforehand? One week, two weeks, three weeks afterwards, and now you're rolling into the next month. I don't think I can pay it. I don't think you're tasting it nonstop all the time by worrying and, and thinking about it and mulling it over and just gnawing on it and chewing on it and feeling it. And now you have a chance you can pay it, even pay it a little bit early, and you just swallow it so quick and move on. But if you slow down, you say, wow, it feels good to pay on time. It's pretty nice. I like it. And just let yourself sit on it and enjoy the blessing and the provision. See, now you start to feel full because you're actually taking time. And that's a choice. It's choosing. The Bible talks about it in Romans 8, 6. says that the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. The life that's set on the flesh is death. The flesh is always craving, needing, wanting. But the life set on the spirit is, man, God's my provider. He's all that I need. He's already taken care of me. All things work together for my good. Like I'm understanding things from a spiritual perspective. And because I'm doing that, I'm slowing down. I'm allowing that to actually fill me and content me. It's not that I need more. I just need to recognize more of what I already have going. And to be able to sit in that. Number three, contentment's learned, not earned. And this is, Paul says in Philippians, he says, I have learned that in whatsoever state I am, to be content. It's a learned thing. It's not consumption. It's not earning. If I make enough money, if I do this, if I get ahead, if I do that, if I can reach these 10 goals I set for 2023, then I can get to contentment. That's earning contentment. But that's not a biblical concept for contentment. Contentment is something that we learn because it's a spiritual growth in our life that we begin to learn. We begin to understand. We begin to be able to rest in the peace of it. We learn it by following Jesus. Number four, contentment is found in knowing Jesus. Paul, the same guy that was talking about that in Philippians, he said that he counts everything as lost, and he had all these things that he had strived and worked for to become a religious leader, to know all these things. He, he was persecuting other people because they weren't good enough religious people, or they were doing it wrong, and he was persecuting them and having people drugging out and taken to jail, having people stoned. He was totally just dominating everybody with all of his knowledge and his abilities and his legal you know, uh, acumen and all these things doing all this. But he says, I count everything as loss for the sake of knowing Christ and participating in his suffering. His suffering and his serving and his giving out of himself. And now I do that. I suffer and I serve and I get out of myself and I'm knowing him. And it's in that process that Paul is talking about that I have learned to be content. 
What I couldn't obtain for myself before, I am now actually living in because I'm following the model of Jesus. To become a believer, to become a follower of Jesus is not, we've made it a little too simple in our culture, is that it's just, I confess, you know what, Jesus is Lord, and those who confess with their mouth are saved, I go to heaven. Well, that is great. The problem is we're not in heaven yet. And we've got a whole life to live right now before we get there. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to start living. Eternal life doesn't start when we die. Jesus promised eternal life. Well, when would that start? Well, it would start now because we're alive. We're supposed to start living out these heavenly principles, these heavenly things now. How do we do that? We do it by looking at the one that runs heaven, Jesus, and saying, how did he live? Because he brought God's kingdom to earth. He brought heaven to earth. He was here. What did he do? I need to look at him and say, how do I live like that? How do I operate like him? How did he handle poor people? How did he handle kids? How did he handle the sick? How did he handle disappointment? How did he handle distraction? How did he handle lack when he didn't have everything that appeared that he needed at the moment? How did he handle grief? How did he handle I mean, all these things? We can look and say, I want to, Lord, teach me to handle it that way. I want to walk this out. Did he spend his life just pursuing more and more and more? He didn't. He operated out of contentment. He operated out of everything is as it should be inside of me because this is right. He spent time with the Father. He spent time in prayer. He spent time doing all these things. And then he went out and ministered from that. So that's what God calls us to do. 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. It says, But you, O man of God, flee from all these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. All these things aren't things that we're obtaining. These are things that we're becoming. Right? I'm becoming godly. I'm becoming somebody who has a reverence and a relationship with God. I'm becoming more gentle. I'm becoming more loving. It's like changing our heart status is not changing our circumstance. Our circumstance can still be difficult. It can still be hard. It can still be a great challenge. When we had our furniture stores and our furniture stores were going out of business, you know, we'd never had a business failure 20-something years, and we're sitting here, and we're like, oh, we're trying to plant a church. Moved all over from Oregon to Texas, and we're like, we're going to plant a church, and we've jumped all of our money from there over to here, and we're like, here we go. And then that thing's going out. Because the peace was in here, not in the stores and in all that, because the peace was here. Now, I saw God move in some people's lives while we were going out of business. People come in, oh, you guys are going out of business? And then next thing you know, you're having a conversation about trusting in the Lord, a conversation about the goodness of God. And they're looking at you like, what? You're nuts. You're like losing everything. You're crazy. But it opened up doors to talk, to pray. Some people ended up getting plugged into our church, becoming a part of our church. Their lives started changing. What? Because the, the peace wasn't out here. The peace was in here. The contentment was here. Now, are we still trying to do things and accomplish things? Yes. But not because we need. We're doing because we have. We have the favor of God. We have the blessing of God. We have the abundance of God. And so we're doing because we know that God has given us. God's force who can be against us. We are out doing in order to use the gift that God's given. The same thing called Adam and Eve to do. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Like I've given you all this, now go do something. Because we have, we don't have to go out and try to get. It's here and we're going to go do it. And from a spiritual sense, that's where God wants us to be. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. When you made the good confession before many witnesses. See, there's Paul saying take hold of the eternal life. In other words, it's, it's 
grabbable now. Start living this out. Instruct those, uh, 17 through 19, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be conceited, not to put their hope in the uncertainty of wealth, but in God who richly provides all things for us to enjoy. The way you enjoy things is by looking at them, contemplating them, experiencing them, being a part of them. I have a nice TV in our little media room. We have a, a media room, and it's got, we don't actually hardly ever watch TV, but there it is. Like in the daytime, it's never on, nothing's going on. Sometimes at night, me and Carrie are going to watch shows, but like, it's mostly like a plaque. So we go in there. But you know what? Sometimes, every once in a while, if I'm in there and I'm watching something, I'll sit down and I go, I'll actually pause and like, just try to like, sit here and be like, this is a nice TV. <laughs> and just remind myself, like, this is pretty nice. This is a nice setup. I should come over to my house sometimes and watch this. <laughs> this is great. But if I walk into Costco, and the first thing in the door, I don't even know what ours is. Ours is a something, something. And I think it went to OLED, to QLED, to... There's like 10 million little initials on those TVs now. And I look at it, and I go, man, that TV is so much better than mine. But it's the same. If you put them next to each other, and you took the stickers off, guaranteed you wouldn't know which is which. Right? But it's that chasing, right? But we don't have to do that because we already have. God's already blessed us. But it's, he gave it to us to enjoy. We have to slow down to enjoy it. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. And so this is what I want to end on, is I brought a couple things. And I want us to think about this because one of the reasons that we lose the enjoyment of our walk with Jesus is because in certain areas, you might be in some areas doing great, in others. So just listen from the heart of wherever you're at, whatever area maybe God would speak to you about, okay? Is that we, in a certain area at least of our life, we become a consumer that's taking in rather than someone that God is actually passing things through and working through. And the problem is the way God designed us is for us to be people that he passes things through, because that's part of the joy. Why? Because God's a giver. He made us in his image, right? So when we are able to give, to serve, Jesus was, didn't come to be served, but to serve, and we live like him, that brings God joy, right? It brings us joy, too, because we're actually made in his image. We're made to live like him, and when we do that, we experience more contentment and more joy. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's a couple examples. I got this from, I got this from Stosh. Uh, I promised him I wouldn't actually use it, so I don't break it. No, I didn't. But I said, Stosh, could I, do you have a, a paint sprayer? He said, yes. Now, do you know what? This is a brand new paint sprayer. From what year? From 1995. Never been used. He got a good deal on it. He bought it. And he's like, I realized when I got it for you that I never actually used it. So it's 20, it's 30, how many years old is it? 27-year-old sprayer that's never had spray in it. Look at this thing. Never been used. It's a Wagner Power Painter 1800. Wow. 1800. Is that good? Bad? This thing's probably worth 10 times what you paid for it by now. Just from inflation, not even because it went up in value. <laughs> so imagine this being you. Okay? First of all, what joy or what goodness has it brought being stuck in this box since 1995? It hasn't. Right? Does that mean it lacked the ability to? No, it just wasn't used. Right? So first of all, that's, God puts things in us that sometimes we don't get the joy out of, we don't get the use out of. Why? Just because we never used it. Never took it out of the box. 
God gave us the gift of hospitality, but we never invited anybody over. God gave us the gift to serve with kids, but we never volunteered for kids because, oh, I'll do it next time. God gave us the ability to worship or to sing or to preach or to, or to give or to do, do whatever it is. I don't do it. Okay, so that's one. Second is, even if I said, okay, but first I need God to fill me up because I can't do it in my own strength. Oh, that's very Christian. It's very spiritual and true. But sometimes we can over-spiritualize. I just need God to fill me so I can do something good. So I put pain in here. And I put more pain in here. And I put more pain in here. And I put more pain in here. You're a painter. Melissa, what happens? Overflows, and then what? How's my room going to look? Ain't going to look better, is it? My floor is going to be a mess? Why? Because I'm just getting filled. Well, sometimes that's all we want to do. We just want to get filled. Man, I read in my Bible. I spend time in prayer. I go to church, but I'm always getting filled. But I still don't feel satisfied. Things, my life feels like a mess. Well, of course your life feels like a mess, because all you're doing is getting filled. And it's overflowing, and it's just making a mess. You become too spiritual. You're not, you're not having any real impact. God wants the spiritual to interact with the physical. That's why Jesus came here. He wants to be a part of life. And we can get to where everything else around us isn't going well because we're over-spiritualizing. We're not actually engaging in the life that God gave us and doing something with it. Now, if I screw the top on, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to use this thing properly, right? Next thing you know, I'm blessed. If I'm doing it as a job, I'm blessed because, do you know what? I'm getting paid. The person whose room I painted is blessed because it looks a lot better. If I'm doing it as a volunteer, I'm blessed because somebody's going to tell me thank you and their room's going to look amazing, right? And I walk away and it's blessed. Why? Because I got filled and I used it, okay? So one more example is this one. You guys know what this is? You ever seen the movie? That was one of my favorite movies growing up, The Brave Little Toaster. This isn't him. Maybe a cousin, distant cousin, twice removed. Um, toaster. Who has a toaster at home? Okay, I'm going to take some toast out. Now, this I do know how to use. It's not a tool. It's an appliance. So I'm safe. Marked safe from using a tool. But if I put this toast in there, only in Texas does toast that thick. Put that in there. Okay. That's a good amount of toast. That's a good amount of bread, right? Four slices, four slots. Perfect. Okay. Now what I would do if it was plugged in is I'd turn it on. Then it would start to smell like wonderful toast in here. Wouldn't this be a great way to do communion? It'd be slow, but boy, it'd be delicious. Okay. Side thought. Side thought. Sometimes we'll have to do that. That's like a four-hour communion where everybody waits in line for toast. Grape jelly, it stopped. Okay. But I'm just saying, here we have bread in here. This is the right amount. This is good. Okay. Sometimes, though, what we do, instead of pushing this down, letting God pour into us, it fills us, it starts to get worked. And then what happens next? Pops up, right? And then what happens? You, you get it ready and do what with it? You serve it to someone or you eat it, right? You, you, you're, you're using it. Okay, but sometimes we let God put into us, and then we're like, oh, I need more. I need some more. So we just keep pushing more in. <laughs> well, if one slice is good, two slices is better, I'll put in some more. We just keep shoving more in. That, but praise God, man, God's good. Lord, I need more. I need more of you. I need more. I need more hope. I need more confidence. I need more of this. I need more. I just I need to get some more. 
in there and get it in. And then we wonder why it doesn't seem like life's working. I don't feel very encouraged. I don't feel very inspired. I don't feel the goodness of God. I don't feel content. Well, yeah, but you weren't designed to just keep taking in, even from God. You were designed to take in and then let it flow out. You were designed to be a conduit. You were designed to let God's love and mercy and grace come through your life so that you can experience it all as you pass it through, but it's not supposed to stop with you. And if you always are letting it stop with you, guess what happens? You start to become stagnant. You start to become frustrated. You start to become, oh. And the only way to fix it is you got to actually start getting some of this out and giving it where it's supposed to go. Whatever God's put in you is meant to be used in that way. So with that said, we're going to bow our heads and pray. And we're going to, I want you to do this as we pray. I want you to just pray and talk to the Lord about your New Year's, about your 2023. I know that some of you have goals. Some of you gave up on goals a long time ago. <laughs> You're like, nope, not doing that again. But just take a minute and pause and just say, Lord, what do I need to be thankful for, to be contented about, to take the time to taste and see that you're good? And how do you want to start using my life and the things that you've put in me and given me to be a blessing to other people? What do you want me to do with this goodness? What do you want me to do with this blessing? Maybe it's only a little bit. Maybe you only got a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. The Bible talks about that. It talks about different levels of talent and talking about money, like stuff that allows things to happen. And some had a little and some had a lot. But God didn't care about that. What he cared was, would you use the little? The boy gave over his loaves and fishes to feed all these people. What? Because he gave his little. The widow gave her little. A little bit of oil or a little bit of, of flour to make food. And then God blessed her with more. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about God has put stuff in your life, giftings, abilities, wisdom, encouragement, direction. You might be the most depressed person in this room, but there might be just one speck of something that you're actually encouraged about. And you could give away that little speck. And it might be a seed that starts a whole new thing in somebody's life because it came from you. And it might mean more coming from you than it means coming from me. Because somebody might know you and they go, man, that, that guy's giving me encouragement and he's that down or that gal's that down and she's giving me encouragement. Wow, this is, this is valuable. But if that guy's giving it to me, he's a pastor. I mean, that's his job. It just might mean more coming from you. That little bit of gratitude, that little bit of care, that little bit of serving. Maybe there's a ministry to sign up for and you haven't signed up before. You're like, man, I need to sign up for a ministry, but I don't know if I've got the time, the energy, if I'm good enough, I'm this, I'm that. I don't know if I can work with kids. I don't know if I can do a kitchen. I don't know if I can do a Bible study. I don't know if I can. Get it out of the toaster and start serving. Start using it. Start giving it out and see what God would do. But ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do in me? Lord, what do you want to do through me? Lord, how do I live from a place of enjoying who I am in you and using that to bless other people? If you can just do that this year, 2023, Guess what? You'll start to have more peace of mind. You'll start to have more joy. 
If your goal is to get in shape, guess what? You'll have less stress. It's easier to work out or to eat right when you're not stressed out. You'll naturally start getting healthy. If you want relationships to be better, guess what? Relationships are better when they come from a place of peace and contentment than when they come from striving and taking. Those will start to get better. Everything starts to get better when we can live from a place of contentment. Father, thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this. Lord, thank you for all that you've given us and all that you've done. God, thank you for, Lord, all the people represented in this room. Lord, all their stories, all their victories. God, all the giftings, all the abilities. Lord, you are awesome. Lord, and these are awesome people. Lord, I'm thankful that we get to do life together. And I pray, God, that this year would be a year, Lord, not that they obtained something they didn't have, but Lord, when they fully realize what they have. They fully realize what they have in you, God, and what you're doing in their life. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.